0: we're wrapping up. Okay, awesome. Okay, I want to just start off simply by asking the question, why is it, why is it that most of us do not watch the same movie over and over and over again? Even a good movie, you're probably not going to watch over and over again because after the first time, it kind of loses a little bit of its excitement, right? So you only tend to watch it once, and then maybe every so often you'll see it again. So imagine, just imagine with me for a second, if you were a pastor, and twice a year on Easter and Christmas, you had to prepare the same message for the same topic over and over and over again, and keep it interesting. That would be difficult, right? So I'm setting the bar really low, so it's only up from here. You got me? Okay. So today, I wanted to do something a little unorthodox because I'm not going to share with you the traditional Easter story, okay? I'm going to share with you a story that personally I've never heard told on Easter Sunday, um, a new perspective, if you will. Um, it's from the Bible, don't worry. Um, and, and it's something, thank you, it's, it's, I'm not used to people laughing. This is going to take some time to get used to. Um, <laughs> it's a story out of the Bible, though, that I think is worth looking at. I think it's a story in the Bible that gives us a version of Easter that maybe we know of, but we don't really let sink in. Or maybe for some of us, we've never heard before. It is not the traditional Easter ser- story. But if you are um, someone who has gone to Easter services for decades, today then could be a little bit more interesting than normal. For those of you who are maybe struggling with your faith um, and trying to figure out, but you're, you know, you're actively engaging and exploring what faith and Christianity and Jesus could look like in your life, I think this could give you another tool in your toolbox. And I think for those of you who just you know, maybe show up on Christmas and Easter, we're really glad you're here. And the good news for you is it's not gonna be the same story that you hear every year. So you know, we're gonna change it up a little bit. Um, and if you want the traditional Easter story, the good news is, you can come back next year. You got me? Same story. Okay, next year, okay? Or you can read it in your Bible when you get home. Now, to set up for today's story, I want us all to just take a moment to think internally through your memory bank, okay, and your experiences in life, and think back to a time that really uh, impacted you. Uh, a moment when you saw something that changed how you thought About the world, changed how you thought about maybe how you should behave. You know, it it really stuck with you. You maybe refer to it as a defining moment in your life, something that really impacted you. Maybe it was while growing up, maybe it was in uh, a family experience, maybe it was something your parents did, maybe it was something you saw online or in a documentary, Uh, maybe you were a witness to an accident or something, you know, really you know, tragic or dramatic, and that really stuck with you, or, or maybe it was a, a joyful event. You know, you, you saw something, it just brought you joy, and you'll always remember that particular moment, okay? What, what is something for you that fits that description? While you think about that, I'll share one from my, my own experience, um, and that was uh, when our first daughter uh, was born. Um, we have two with a third sometime in the next month or two. So one day I just won't be here because I will be there. Okay. But, um, so, so three, three daughters, by the way, three and yeah, thank you. Yay. Um, I really mean that by the way. Okay. So I remember we were at the hospital. She was just born and I was sitting in the rocking chair in the room and then she was in that plastic tub that they give you that you really wonder is this the best we as humanity can do for a newborn life? Is put them in a plastic tub? But you know that's where we that's what we do, and we swaddle them and we put them in a plastic tub. And I was sitting there um, looking at her and trying to um, just process through what it all just transpired. I mean, it's your first child and everything. And when I was sitting there watching her, uh, just, I realized something about um, children and and parenting that I had never realized before. And that was that my daughter was a gift. And we say that, right? We say children are a gift or the Bible verse, children are a gift from God or something. Um, But I I realized in that moment that, and bear with me on this, but she wasn't mine. Okay. Okay. Because, like, what had I done to bring her into the world? Had I brought all these millions and billions and trillions of cells together to create this child? No. I mean, simply as a man, I contribute very, very little to the whole process. You you get it? You get that? And, And so, to me, I was like, this is a child that truly I didn't feel like I deserved. I didn't earn it. I didn't do anything for this child to come really into this world, yet she's here, and then I'm supposed to help her come into the world, you know, get a climate to the world and to understand the world. And and I was just humbled. I was humbled in this moment, and I realized that my role as a parent was not to be superior to my child, was not to discipline my child. My role as a parent was to shepherd my child through her life, because she was a gift that I didn't deserve, and she was her own person. Even at one or two or three years old, she's her own person with her own decisions and choices, and I needed to respect that as a parent. And it was just a really life-transforming moment in my life. So what is that for you? What is Maybe it was a birth of a child. Maybe it was a job change or a career change that just really impacted the trajectory of your life. What was that? What did you see that impacted you? And then think about for a second, the fact that all you had to do was see something. You saw it for maybe just a matter of even seconds. Maybe this event only transpired over a matter of a few moments, but it has impacted you so significantly. It's literally changed how you think about your life. Isn't that incredible that a moment like that can happen? 2,000 years ago, I want to tell you about a story of two men who saw something, and it changed the trajectory of their life. It was a story that happened at the very beginning of the church church, And by church, I mean like the big church, okay? Well, at the time, it really wasn't that big. It was maybe a few hundred thousand people at the time, very beginning of the church. And what we're going to do is we're going to read the account of this story from a man named Luke, Luke, who was a physician who uh, wrote a gospel account. We call it the book of Luke, of Jesus's life. And then he wrote a book about how the church began, and we call that the book of Acts. But really, it wasn't a book so much as it was a letter that he wrote to a friend of his to say, listen, I investigated all this. I interviewed people. I was witnesses to some of these things, and I wrote about it, and I just want to tell you, and I want to tell all of you this morning about what I saw. So right at the beginning of Acts, a few weeks after Jesus' crucifixion, these two men, one named Peter, one named John, go into the Jewish temple at the time. And you may know Peter. He was the one who denied Jesus three times. Okay, he said, and Jesus got arrested. He's like, no, I don't know that guy. I don't know that guy. And then John, uh, both of them were one of Jesus' closest followers. John, who then writes the book of John, okay, uh, the gospel account of the book of John. And anyways, they walk into the temple in Jerusalem. And, and if you've never seen a picture of the temple in Jerusalem, it is incredible. It is, it is a feat of modern engineering at the time. It was uh, awe-inspiring, truly, um, and uh, you can see, if you're watching online, I think we have a picture for you, but you Google it. it it's pretty incredible. He wa- They walk into the temple, and as they're walking in, they notice a lame man on the side of the road at a gate, and this lame man had been there really his entire life he was lame from birth and so the only way to really make a living as a lame person in those days and in many third world countries even today uh, you have to beg that's just the only way to do it that's the only way to survive and so he was there begging and then Peter and John in the name of Jesus healed the man he got up and he started walking around and this stunned people for so many different reasons. One, because they did it in the name of a man who was just crucified a few weeks earlier because some of them were there for Jesus' crucifixion. and They're like, didn't you say his name and then this happened and how did this happen and what, what just happened in this moment? And everybody knew this man. I mean, it was like his name, you know, I don't know, Bob, let's say call him Bob. You know, everybody knew Bob. And so now they're seeing Bob walk around and they're really thrown off by this whole situation. Like how, how did this ha- come about? And people start yelling and murmuring and so Crowd starts to gather, okay, and then this is where it gets really interesting, and this is where we need to pay attention. This is where maybe we need to take some of our preconceived notions and our walls and our barrier we put up against Christianity and faith, and kind of put them to the side. Because I just think there's a worthwhile moment to fully grasp what was happening. Try to put us in this moment, okay? Peter is going to now address. The confusion in the crowd, because they're confused, as maybe some of you are when you hear about miracles. You're just like, how does that even work? I don't quite get that. It's a little beyond my comprehension. And so they are just confused like uh, uh, like you may be. And so Peter is going to address their confusion by telling them the Easter story. The, The Easter story that had just happened a few weeks before. Because again, many of the people there might have actually seen Jesus condemned, Or they also might have been at his crucifixion. But here's the fun part, really interesting part. Peter is not gonna read the Easter story from the Bible, because the Bible didn't exist as we know it today. Peter's not gonna have an Easter service. Peter's not gonna have Easter lilies. Peter's not gonna have iced coffee, those delicious. Peter's not gonna even have a Sunday Easter service. None of that stuff had even started yet. That was not a thing that was happening yet. None of that was there. So how in the world are you going to tell someone the Easter story if there's no Bible, if there's no Sunday service, how are you going to go about telling that story? Here's where I think it gets really interesting. This is, what, this is what Peter starts off. Peter's about to say it's so much better, essentially, than all of that. All the things that we're used to, all the things that we're even doing right now, it's so much better than that. Here's, here's what he said. This is what Luke recorded and wrote in the uh, book of Acts, chapter 3, verse 12. Okay, here's what he said. When Peter saw this, essentially saw the confusion in the crowd, he said to them, the crowd, Fellow Israelites, because all the people around were Jewish, why does this surprise you? Essentially, why does this man who is lame now walking, why does it surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? In other words, you should know why this just happened. To which none of them knew why this just happened. He just got blank stares like, I hope you're going to explain what just happened because we don't know what just happened. Then Peter is going to pull to their Israelite heritage and reference some key figures in the Israelite and the Jewish past. He says, The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. Audience is like, okay, how has he glorified Jesus? Where is this going, Peter? You. Now, Peter's accusing the crowd of something. He said, you handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided, he, Pilate, had decided to let Jesus go. Do you guys remember that? You remember when the Jesus, who claimed to be the Messiah, king of the Jews, was standing up on the stage platform with Pilate, The guy who claimed to be God's own son, what did you do? You disowned him. And even Peter would say, like, I denied even knowing him. I was afraid to claim that I knew Jesus because Jesus had just been arrested and I didn't want to be arrested, Peter would say, so I even denied him. He said, you disown the holy and righteous one, Jesus, asked that a murderer be released to you. Remember that? Some of you were there. You said, give us Barabbas, give us Barabbas and execute Jesus. And so Pilate, who didn't want to get a whole um, riot going, he wanted to give in to the crowd, said, okay, we're going to crucify Jesus. Peter says, you killed the author of life. You all went with the crowd. Because it's easier to just go with the crowd, isn't it? Most of us even today, let's be honest, we just kind of go with the crowd. Like if we're skeptical about faith, part of the reason we're skeptical is because we know other people who are skeptical and have told us reasons that we should be skeptical. One of the ways I became an agnostic a few years ago was because I Saw a documentary and it just brought up so many questions into my mind and my heart that I questioned the whole situation of faith and Christianity. And so I decided maybe I just need to walk away, not a walk away entirely from God, but I just needed to walk away from Christianity all together. So we went with a crowd. Or for some of you, you actually base your faith, and this is not necessarily bad, though I would encourage you to make it your own. But some of us question our faith, or excuse me, some of us build our faith on the principle that other people around us are faithful. And so then we just say to ourselves, okay, well, if they're faithful, then I'm going to be faithful too. But it's not our personal faith. We haven't made it personal. We haven't owned it for who we are. We don't want to upset the crowd. We just want to fit in. And that's essentially what got Jesus crucified, is the crowd said, we want to kill the author of life. And so therefore, They did, because sometimes it's just easier to kill those things that make us think, that make us uncomfortable. It's easier just to get rid of them so we don't have to question and think through our own personal decisions. But then Peter says, and this is Easter. This is the Easter moment right here for Peter. He said, you killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead but God raised him from the dead. And how did Peter know that God raised him from the dead? Not because a pastor told him so, not because he read it in the Bible, not because he went to Sunday school growing up. He knew it because as he then says, we are witnesses of this, rephrasing, we saw it happen. We saw him arrested. We saw him tried. We saw him condemned. We saw him crucified. We saw him buried. Roman soldiers were placed around the tomb. We saw all of that. We thought it was over, done with. We went into hiding because the man we had put our faith and trust in, he just died. It's over. And so we thought we're going to walk away from this whole situation. We're going to hide until it's safe to come out. Until what happened? Until we saw the risen Jesus, until we saw the man alive, nail-pierced hands and all. In fact, he had risen from the grave, and we had breakfast with him on the beach up in Galilee. This is not something we read in a book. It's something we saw, and we are disciples, and we're not in hiding anymore. Why? Because we're not afraid of death, because we saw a risen Jesus, We're not telling people what we believe, we're telling people what we saw. And we're not afraid anymore because, and listen to this, I hope this makes sense to you, but if you see someone die and rise again three days later, and they say, I will raise you too from the grave after you die, you kind of got to believe they know what's happening because that just doesn't happen all too much. And if they're not afraid of death and you don't have to be afraid of death, it changes your whole perspective on life. If you can experience a life without the fear of death, it changes your perspective on life. Not because of what you believe, but because of what Peter saw. I mean, what more do you need to be afraid of if death is not the end? Is fear really need to have a grip on our life if death is not the end? Peter goes on. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man who you see um, see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as all of you can see. As if to say, I get that a miracle is hard to believe. It is easy to write off miracles. It is easier to go with the crowd. But we saw... Jesus raised, raised from the dead on the third day. So can you imagine if we saw that, how that may have changed our lives? Can you imagine just as you have seen things happen in your life and it has changed your perspective on life, imagine then how that changed our lives and what we would then go and do after that. I mean, what would you go and do if you saw your friend die and rise again? Would you tell people about it? Probably, probably. Because what you see matters. What you see changes you. That's why parents, we we try to watch what our kids watch. Because we know it changes them. What they see will change them. And when when we are witnesses to things, it changes us. Unfortunately, and you know this, it is too easy to see all the negative things, all the scary things, all the anxiety-ridden, fear-based things in life. A lot of people... Loud people, people who have voices into social media and into our politics and our lives, so often use fear, why? Because fear drives us. But if you don't have fear, it changes the paradigm. If you're not afraid that someone's going to take something from you or your life from you, it changes your entire paradigm. What if we took our cues not from the people who are trying to scare us or not from the things that bring us anxiety or not from the things um, that we feel shamed or guilty about or afraid of. What if we took our cues from a man who died and rose again and said, I want to redeem you. I want to change you. I want to transform you. I want you to know the love of God. Does that sound so awful and intimidating to walk away from and be afraid of? Or is that something worth trusting in. And I get it. It's easier to see with our eyes, to see Christians being hypocritical or pastors or church leaders being hypocritical, and then just take those experiences and blanket all of Christianity with that. But Peter says, that's not what this is. See, Peter and James and John and the disciples and Mary and Martha, they didn't have faith because of what Christians did or didn't do. They had faith because what they saw, Jesus did. It leaves us with an opportunity to put our faith and trust not in the things that ultimately, eventually, are either so short-term or bring us, you know, to a place where we ultimately just feel empty. Because, you know, I mean, some things bring us temporary joy and happiness, but at the end of the day, it just kind of leaves us empty. You know, you get a, one boat, you got to get a bigger boat. You get one car, you got to get a better car. You know, it's always more, okay? Or do you put your faith in something so incredible and so transformative. Peter stood in front of the crowd. Peter, who denied knowing Jesus, he stood in front of that same crowd and he wasn't afraid. He wasn't skeptical because Jesus had risen from the dead. And he wanted to tell everybody about that. And here's the thing, and you can fact check me on this. Go Google it when you get home. Go to town researching it. Okay, send me an email. Let's set up coffee. Let's talk about this. You can do the research because I've done the research, and it's part of the reason I came back to faith and Christianity. Um, But historians, historians, agnostic historians, atheist historians, nope, nothing historians, Christian historians, they all agree that at this point in history, something incredible, Easter morning, or about that time, something incredible had to happen. Because this wasn't the first person that died on a Roman cross. This wasn't even the first person to claim that they were the Messiah in history. But this had to be someone who did something so incredible that then all of their followers went out and went crazy. In fact almost all of Jesus' initial disciples, tradition has it, died because of their faith in not faith in Jesus, but in faith in what they saw and who Jesus was. From this point in history, Christianity exploded. I kid you not, Christianity exploded, went from a few hundred people to thousands and thousands of people. In spite of the fact that the Jewish leaders The Jewish leaders who had Jesus crucified went after with a passion, passionate death sentence, in fact, went after Jesus' disciples. They went after him, after them. Literally in Acts chapter 4, the next chapter, you read about how they went after Peter and John for healing a man and tried to get them imprisoned or stop them from saying this good news about Jesus. Christianity gets so big that just a few decades later, barely even a few decades later rome the empire of rome which which occupied the nation of israel of judah at that time the nation of rome began persecuting christians because christianity got so um, large it had grown so quickly that the only way they knew how to deal with them is to persecute them to wipe them out to get rid of them and they put them on poles and stakes and dressed them up as animals and you know uh, chase them and slaughter them it was absolutely horrifying but the christians kept coming why? Because the Christians didn't fear death. Again, not because of what was written in the Bible. The Bible didn't even exist yet. It was because Peter saw something. Maybe even they had seen the resurrected Jesus, and it changed their entire life. Roman Empire emperors, because they were supposed to be gods, began to go after the Christians. In fact, um, 20 years after uh, Jesus' resurrection, a man named Tacitus, a Roman sentence. Roman senator and historian documented what Jesus had become to the Roman Empire. So in about 60 to 80 AD, not that far after Jesus' resurrection, this man documented what had happened in his, um, uh, essentially, it's called the annals, but it's a history of the Roman Empire and many things. Here's what he said. I read, this is a quote from his own writing, okay? A Roman historian. He didn't like Christianity, by the way. You can probably glean that when I read this. He said Christus Christ from whom the name Christianity had its origin suffered the extreme penalty under the reign of Tiberius crucified at the hands of one of our procreators Pontius Pilatus and most and a most mischievous superstition what was the superstition that Jesus was the Messiah Jesus was the Lord he was the king he was God in a body come to earth to save redeem and show the love of God to the world And so they crucified him and checked for the moment this Christianity. But it again broke out, not only in Judea, get this, not only in Judea, the first source of evil, but even in Rome, where all things hideous and shameful from every part of the world find their center and become popular. Christianity had spread all the way to Rome, so much so that a Roman senator was aware that it existed. I just want to square this away so you understand. Not even a generation of Christianity had passed, The generation had passed, and a Jewish teacher from Judea becomes popular in the pagan capital of the world, the most powerful empire at the world at the time. Christianity had taken a foothold. Within 250 years, Christianity becomes the primary world religion of the Roman Empire. And it wasn't just because Jesus died on a cross. A lot of people had done that wasn't just because he had claimed he was a Messiah. Again, a lot of people had claimed they were a Messiah at the bar. It was the fact that he rose from the dead, and people saw it, and they were witnesses to it, and they went out, and they told the world, and they were not afraid of anything because if death didn't have a hold on Jesus, then it didn't have a hold on them, and it doesn't have a hold on you. They saw a man perform miracles. They saw a man teach incredible lessons beyond his years in wisdom. They saw him claim he was God's own son. He died, they thought it was over, and he came back. Hundreds of thousands of people did not give in to fear. They trusted Jesus, and Jesus' message went worldwide. Christianity today is still the largest religion in the world, nothing in human history has touched the impact of Christianity, the real Christianity, that Jesus rose from the dead, not Christian hypocrisy Christianity, Jesus rode from the dead, love of the world, God so loved the world that he sent his only son, not to condemn the world, but to save the world. We don't, at least I don't, put my faith in magic I don't even put my faith in Jesus because the Bible says so. I put my faith in it because Peter saw it happen. James and Mary and Martha, they saw it happen, and it changed the world, and it can change our lives. Maybe this Easter is the time to stop following the crowds, to stop following the crowds even when it comes to faith, to maybe seriously wrestle with or begin to seriously engage in your faith in a way that you haven't done before because it transformed the world. And I can just tell you from my own personal experience being agnostic and coming back to faith is it changes your life too. And you begin to know as you follow Jesus that it's real for a reason because it just works so much better. It makes life better. It brings you peace that you don't understand. It brings you forgiveness that you didn't know you needed, but you had those shame and guilty parts of your heart and your life and your past that you didn't know what to do with and you couldn't just forgive yourself and you tried to forget it, but you can't really forget it. I mean, how do you forget the worst, some of the worst things you've ever done? But you found forgiveness and redemption and new life in a God that loves you. I think that's what Peter was trying to get across. That day. And I think that is the message of Easter. And I hope it's something that you will either trust in or wrestle with. Let's bow our heads and pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for Peter's, John's, and all the disciples' trust in what they saw. Trusting in a man, a man who claimed incredible things about himself. Performed incredible things, things that really defied explanation, taught in ways that really defied expectation, really countercultural things, things we take for granted now that were so culture- countercultural then, but that through his teaching and through his message, and then through what he did, through death and resurrection, Peter's life was transformed, and John's life was transformed. Jesus' own brother, half brother, James' life was transformed, and ours can be too, just as the world in so many ways has been transformed for the better. Heavenly Father, help those of us who are here today who didn't expect this morning to maybe wrestle with faith as much as they're thinking about it now, to not walk away from what they feel and the questions they have now, but to engage with them, to seek out answers. To not just stop, but to seek. For those of us who maybe have, you know, gone with the crowd for so long, for some of us who have, you know, maybe had a faith just because everybody else had a faith and we wanted to fit in, that we would reassess and we would begin to have a faith of our own because of what has happened in our own life, because of our own seeking and wrestling For those of us who have been a Christian for a long time, help us to remember the whole reason that Christianity exists. It's because of what people saw and the incredible growth that happened from that moment. Only a miracle to some extent could explain what happened from that moment forward. Help us to remember that death does not have a final say for those of us, as Peter said, who put our faith in you. Help us to remember that there is peace that passes all understanding. Help us to remember that we can decide, even right now, to put our trust in that God. Give us the wisdom and the strength to do it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Hey, listen, if, if maybe today you've you've come to the place, this is the message you needed to hear, and, and, and you've come to the place where, you know what, from this day on, you're going to really uh, begin to either wrestle with faith or you're going to begin to follow Jesus. Um, if you're watching online, we're going to put a little link in the box and you can click that. And, and we'd love to help you with that journey. It's not something you're meant to do alone. It's something you're meant to do in community. That's a whole reason that Jesus started the church. Um, if if you're in person here, um, you can go onto our Infused Church app. You download our app from your App Store or whatever iPhone or Android you're on. And under the connect button, there's a connection card. You can fill that out and say, I've decided to follow Jesus. And we will help you process through what that means. Or if you have doubts or questions, we'd love to give you resources. In fact, I know we have some copies of a faith growth guide. Whether you've been following Jesus for a long time or you're new to faith, you have some questions, there's some great resources in that. Back in the back, Colleen will be at that back table. She can wave Colleen, yes. And she has a, a, some pamphlets that we can give to you. And it just has some great videos to watch. If you're or a video person, or some books that you can read or listen to on Audible, whatever works for you. There's resources available. We just love to help with that. Um, the last thing uh, that I would say is.